Hello and welcome to another edition of On Mike with Jordan Rich, the podcast that celebrates conversation with interesting and inspiring people. Today, we have an outstanding author. He's a thriller writer. His name is Don Bentley. And Don is now writing Jack Ryan Jr. novels. This one's called Target Acquired. And what a background this writer has. He spent a decade as an Army Apache helicopter pilot. He was a troop commander in Afghanistan in support of Operation Enduring Freedom. Don was awarded the Bronze Star Medal and the Air Medal with V device for valor. After retiring from the military, he worked as an FBI special agent and was a member of the Dallas Office Special Weapons and Tactics Team, also known as SWAT. He's the author of the Matt Drake thriller series, including Without Sanction, The Outside Man, and two forthcoming titles, as well as the one we're talking about today, Target Acquired. And you can find out more at his website, donbentleybooks.com. Let's do it. Let's invite Mr. Don Bentley to join us on mic. So the first question has to be, how do you get into the Tom Clancy universe? Are you asked to join? Are you drafted? Or is it something you aspire to your whole life as a writer? I mean, other than an owl flying into your room, dropping off an invitation to Hogwarts, it is pretty much the (laughs) coolest thing you could ever get invited to. And so the way it worked for me is I'm very, very fortunate in that I write another book series as well. Um, The first book in that is called Without Sanction, and the protagonist is a guy named Matt Drake, who Mm -hmm. is a defense intelligence agency operative. And my editor for that book series is a guy named Tom Colgan. And so Tom Colgan is a fantastic editor, and he's worked with everybody from Janet Ivanovich to Tom Clancy. And so he actually edited Tom's books, um, his last couple when Tom was still alive. And then uh, when Tom passed on almost, I guess it's uh, nine years ago now, he, Tom Colgan, too many Toms, I apologize, Tom Colgan was given responsibility for continuing uh, the Clancy universe. And so he, um, he is uh, the one who brings in writers. And the way that it worked for me is we had just finished doing our editorial call for my second book in my Matt Drake series. It's called The Outside Man, and that actually came out in March. And at the end of the call... Tom Colgan is an incredible guy and very nice, but he's crafty. He's kind of like the puppet master, and he's and he's got all of us authors on his strings kind of dancing to his tune. And so at the end of the call, he said, in very much a Columbo-like moment, so I have one more question for you. How would you feel about taking over um, the Jack Ryan Jr. books for the Tom Clancy series? And so it, it was the shock of my life and, and caught me um, completely flat-footed for a number of reasons, both for the honor of being a part of this um, legacy, but but you know, I tell people that Tom Clancy was my gateway drug to this genre. When I was a 14 year old kid, my my neighbor down the street gave me his dog eared copy of Red Storm Rising, and he's like, "You got to read this book. You got to read it." And I remember reading it and feeling like there's an iconic scene in that book where an F 14 is doing a gun run on a Russian tanker that's about to discharge this mechanized unit that's part of the Soviet invasion and I just remember thinking, you know, that I was in the front seat of that fighter plane as it's doing strafing runs. And so, you know, if if 14-year-old me, if you could have told 14-year-old me that 47-year-old me would actually get to write a Tom Clancy book, I I don't think either of Mm. us would have believed you. Uh, Of course, the 20-something you was flying Apache helicopters and... uh... (laughs) 
and and serving our country honorably. And in the introduction, I mentioned uh, your credits, and they're very, very uh, admirable. So thank you for your service. All right, let me let me ask you a couple of quick things. First of all, I love the fact that it's Junior now, because what always drives people crazy is when you read a character for 25, 30 years, and he or she never (laughs) ages. So let's put it in in place here. I love the book. It's the timeline is now. Jack Ryan Jr. is in his middle 30s, or early to middle 30s. And what I tell folks is he is about, a lot of people are now familiar with the Jack Ryan series on Amazon, which was fantastic. Oh, yeah, I loved it. And so Jack Ryan Jr. is about the same age as as Jack Ryan on the Amazon series. So if you you picture John, and I always mess up his his name, John Krasinski, Uh, however you say it. Yeah, Yeah, he's, he's about the right age for Jack Ryan Jr. And so... Jack Ryan Jr., unlike his father, um, did not work for uh, the CIA, was not ever, like most protagonists in this genre, was never a special operations community guy or anything like that. He he started to work for this organization called The Campus, which is this off-the-books intelligence agency, and, and kind of got his start there, which was very, very different than his father. Yeah, I love the campus because there are some familiar names. <laughs> some of the old yep. timers yes, are absolutely. back. And uh, what I really enjoyed about the novel is it was happening, reading it, as the Middle East was exploding a month ago. Yeah. And yep. it was so yep. prescient, uh, Don. You talk about the Iron Dome. You talk about the Iranians. Yep. So what kind of yep. research goes into a, a project like this? I'm sure Clancy would be here to show us all up yep. when it comes to research. But t- tell me about yours. Well, I'll I'll start by saying that I have for the last, um, so after I got out of the Army, I worked uh, as an FBI special agent and SWAT guy for a while. And then when I got out of the FBI, for about the last nine years, I've worked with companies who were marketing and selling technology to primarily special operations um, command in, in the U.S. Army. And so in the course of doing that, I was fortunate enough to work with a number of Israeli companies and, mm-hmm. and Loved working with Israeli companies, love Israelis. And Tel Aviv, where the book starts, is one of my favorite cities in the world. If you've never been there, you have to go. Israelis are incredibly kind and friendly people. They speak great English. The food there is oh, fantastic. Agreed. Everything's agreed. amazing about it. Yep. But one of the one of the crazy parts is I when um, Hamas kicked off the latest um, conflict that you were alluding to, I had two Israeli co-workers who were visiting that week. And they're, they're literally from their phones showing me videos that their children are taking of rockets arcing over their house and being intercepted by the Iron Dome. And so, as you as you mentioned, that, that plays very heavily in, in my book. And there are some things you you like getting right as a thriller writer. You mm-hmm. like saying, I, I, I kind of figured out where this was going, but certainly never in my wildest dreams did I think you know, something that I put in my book would happen in in mm. real time, and my well, friends are, are are forced to watch that as their families oh try and goodness. deal with that. And so, from a re- yeah. research perspective, a lot of what uh, my Matt Drake protagonist does, and what um, and what Jack Ryan Jr. does, is drawn from my time in, in the military or at, in the FBI. My job was to run and recruit what we call sources, or what folks in the intelligence community call assets, and so. Jack Ryan certainly does some of that as well. And then from an overall research, from a global perspective, you have to, you have to be a voracious reader of both um, current events and what's happening and, and staying abreast of what's going on in the world. And then 
because of it's a, it's a Tom Clancy book, your readers also want you to get the technical details right. And so there are a number of um, scenes in my book. There's one where there's an, an F-35 sequence mm. that I'm really, really proud of. And I had a friend of mine who was a retired lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, an F-16 pilot that helped me with that. You know, there's a, a mortar system in there that, that plays pretty uh, prominently, and I had several folks who were um, veterans of the Ranger Regiment and helped um, field that mortar system that gave me information about exactly how that would go. And so that's kind of the key of it. As you mentioned, there's a ton of research, but at the end of the day, you're writing a book, a fiction book, not a nonfiction book. And so the story has to drive that, and it can't be so, – and this was something Tom Clancy was so good at, is to know – how much detail to put in to really, again, going back to my last illustration, make you think you're sitting in the cockpit of that F-14 or, in my case, the F-35, but not so much that it weighs down the narrative and, and folks forget what you're actually writing. So mm. ho- hopefully I was able to walk that line. Oh, you did. And uh, what's so cool, of course, is is knowing that these uh, systems are in place, but more importantly, that the people who operate them, the true patriots, yeah. the American heroes, and, and the Israeli heroes in this case, are doing yeah. the work that we don't even know about. And I, I, I realize that. A technical question about the information. Do you have to get any of this cleared through the yeah. Pentagon? I do. Not through the Pentagon, but because I was an FBI um, special agent, what I have to do is send every book to them to get cleared beforehand. And so at first, with my Matt Drake series, like I said, I don't I don't write an FBI agent. I write a case officer for the Defense Intelligence Agency, which is which is different. It's somebody from the intelligence community. And so I thought, well, this review will be really really quick. And it was terrible because the FBI took the book, they reviewed it, and then they sent it out to every other three letter agency that they thought I might have ever <laughs> rubbed shoulders with, and gave them a chance to review it as well. And so. The first book was, was brutal, and then I think we both got a little better at it. My second book, The Outside Man, came pretty quick. And then the Tom Clancy book, Target Acquired, they were able, the FBI was able to turn around in just a little under a month, which was, which mm-hmm. was fantastic. And so they did a really great job at it, but man, it is, I'm now doing two books a year, which means every six months I'm turning in a book and we have to go through this review process. And it always makes the publisher incredibly nervous because they're eyeing, you know, the publication date. And sure. Is it going to get done in time or not? So it's it's always some high adventure for sure. Uh, we could spend all day talking the tech talk, but I just want to have you talk a little bit more about the plane, the F-35. What an incredible sure. machine. Share with us just a little bit about what makes it special, the stealth technology, but also the, the yeah. sensors on that. It's like the USS Enterprise. Tell us about it. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's really, really fascinating in that there there are two fifth generation fighters that the US fields and, and by and, and the delineation for fifth generation fighter applies to a couple of things. One of them being the stealth capability of the platform, like you said, and then also the um, the sensors and armament that that platform is is able to use. And so the first one of those is a little bit older, is the F twenty two Raptor which is still the world's premier kind of air-to-air fighter. It's, it's unmatched in its capabilities. And the second one is the F-35. And so the F-22 was designed for a very specific role, an air-to-air, um, air interdiction role. The F-35 was built to be an all-around platform that replaced a number of different airplanes. So for, for the um, Marine Corps, it replaced the Harrier. At one time um, in the Navy, they thought it was going to replace the F-18, 
Um, in the Air Force, it was potentially going to replace the A-10, but is also mm. um, replacing the F-16. And so what makes it such a compelling platform is it's not, it doesn't have the same flight characteristics as an F-22, but it has the, the fifth-generation stealth capability, as you allude to. But what really is compelling about it is its ability to do the sensor fusion. And so that I, I get into that a little bit in the sequence you're talking about, in that each F-35, if you can imagine them as being their own, uh, having their own IP address, if you will, in which it can reach out and grab sensor data from both its onboard set of sensors, other aircraft, and then other things um, that are out there. And, and, and that's been, um, there have been things like that that was available before. And what people have found is that it overloads the pilot. And so as a former pilot um, flying Apaches, you have what's called an, an HDU, a helmet display unit that slides over your eye. And as you turn your eye, the sensor moves and you actually fly um, by that sensor through that one eye. And what, what people find with that is that pilots are often overwhelmed by the amount of information that's available to them. So another amazing part of the F-35 is there's actually artificial intelligence algorithms at work that take this tremendous feed of, of raw sensor data, kind of prioritizes it, and then displays it for the pilot in, in the manner in which he or she needs. And so you're not fighting through you know, do I select this? Do I select this? How do I tag this target? What they're trying to do is, is offload that work from the pilot to give them what they need to make decisions in that particular moment. And it's mm. fascinating. Truly a smart plane, piloted in this case in the book by a very smart lady pilot. I thought that was a great, great touch. I happen to know somebody whose daughter is indeed a fighter pilot, and it's a, it's a really impressive part of the book. Uh, we're talking with Don Bentley, Target Acquired, a Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan Jr. novel. One of the things that strikes you, of course, you have to have a good set of villains. And man, do you have yeah. the villains. Yeah. But one of them in particular, and this is what I, I don't want to give anything away, so I'll ask you in general. One of them in particular is sure. somebody who could pose as a Westerner yeah. quite easily. And I'm just yep. speculating that great idea for the novel, <laughs> but I'm just guessing that the other side is thinking all the time how they can outwit us. Yeah, absolutely. And so what, you know, what, when you're working in the espionage or counter-espionage field, when you're a case officer, which is the, the intelligence community word for somebody who runs and recruits assets or, or agents, what your job is is to be that gray man. And so Mark Graney has you know, a, an awesome book series called The Gray Man, but literally you want to be, you know, we have the, um, the image in our head because of James Bond and, and lots of great spy movies, the born ones of this barrel-chested freedom fighter who's ruggedly handsome and is, you know, turns every eye in the room. And in real life, you actually want the opposite of that. Mm. You want the frumpy, you know, person who you don't look at twice because there's nothing um, that they have that's going to attract your attention, right? Because you want to be that gray man, that person that can hide in the wallpaper that doesn't get noticed. And so the book um, is set in Tel Aviv or begins in Tel Aviv. Like I said, Tel Aviv is one of my favorite cities in the entire world. And um, for a number of reasons, the Israelis are incredibly kind people. Um, they speak great English. The food there is great. It, it really is an amazing place. And so as I was crafting this book, I was like, you know, there are a lot. The intelligence service um, of Israel is legendary. The Mossad mm -hmm. is the intelligence service that looks at foreign threats. 
And then the shin bad is kind of their equivalent of the FBI that looks at domestic threats. And they're very, very good at what they do. They have to be because they're a country that is, for the most part, surrounded by enemies. They're the Middle East-only democracy. And so when you're looking at all these potential terrorist threats that happen every single day, you're going to classify those threats, right? And if your primary threat is you're worried about Hamas or Hezbollah or something, the people who are a part of those organizations tend to look a certain way. They tend to be Middle Eastern. Maybe many of them are Arab. And so I thought, you know, if I were a bad guy and I was going to operate in one of the, the most heavily contested spaces in the world, in Israel, what would I want my bad guy to look like? And so that's kind of what you see in the book that you alluded to and that I, I take yeah. maybe a little different track with my villain. Um, than a lot of people do, Well, it, it, it's quite effective, no question. And uh, I know we have a little time left, so I have a couple of additional questions. One is, sure. you write fight scenes, and I can feel the punches and the blood, and I mean, and, uh, Jack Ryan Jr.'s blood, that is. They're so graphic and so uh, just expressive in so many ways and different. Is it challenging sure. to write a fight scene, uh, whether it's hand-to-hand or a chase or something, in novel form that's going to grab the reader since we've read so many of them? Yeah, it really, really is, and I appreciate you, you saying that. So two things on that. The first being that um, when I was in the Army, there was there's something that's called combatives that is now very, very prevalent in that the Army um, started teaching this, this system of unarmed combat that's kind of now gone throughout the Army and elsewhere. And when I was in the FBI, it was taught, you know, we would spend hours every other day in the gym doing combatives to the point where you had this culminating exercise where you would literally walk into the proverbial padded room. You know, there's there's mats on the wall, ceilings, everything like that. And your instructor would say, face the wall, and you face the wall, and he'd say, act like you're getting money out of an ATM. And as soon as your hands come up, somebody just drills you from behind and power drives you into the wall. And mm. then you're fighting with that person to be able to keep your gun or not keep your gun or deal with the threat or do whatever you have to do. And so I got a lot of experience being on the other end of getting <laughs> beat up <laughs> for a living. And, and then taking that to fight scenes, though, is still very challenging because, as you said, there, there are a lot of things that can that can, you have to overcome. You have to do something that's fresh, that grabs the reader's attention, that doesn't overwhelm them. And so the two who I think are the best at that in different ways are Brad Taylor and Lee Child. Oh, yeah. So Brad Taylor, when you read his fight scenes, his Pike Logan books, they're very, very technical because Brad um, was a Special Forces officer and obviously did a lot of combatives. And so... It, it's very technical. It reads, you know, almost like an MMA kind of fight hmm. scene. Where Lee Child, on the other hand, his Jack Reacher character, his primary asset seems to be his forehead and his elbow. And he's big <laughs> and brutal, in the, but the scenes just punch you in the gut. And so what I try and do is kind of keep both of those in mind, where you're not overloading a fight scene with so much detail that it's crushing the pacing and it's taking the reader out of it, and then conversely, that it isn't so vague that the reader can't picture, picture what's actually going on. So that's something I spend a lot of time with, and, and I'm glad you like them. Some of the toughest guys I know, and I'll put you in that category, and that's a compliment, are also very sensitive. And I just want to end with this. The part of the plot involves a, a female, American female scientist and her autistic yeah. son. And they're, let's just put it this way, they're, yeah. they're under attack throughout the book. Jack Ryan's connection to this little boy, uh, first just observing and then getting sort of connected to him 
and to the mother yeah. is really touching. I, I just have to ask, is there a, a, a personal experience of your own with anyone autistic, or how did that come about? So my wife is a teacher, and she teaches um, dyslexia. And so a lot of times dyslexia is, is one of the things that's present in special needs children. And so she gets a lot of folks who are special needs or who have other disorders behind besides or not, not disorders, but other issues that they're mm -hmm. working through besides just dyslexia or things like that. And so a lot of um, crafting that character and that little boy came from conversations that she and I had about ways, innovative ways that she's had to come up with to reach those students and to break through that shell and figure out how do I, how do I get to that person? How do I teach them this in a way that, that resonates with them? And, and just, you know, her stories helped help craft that and help craft that little boy and it's and it just seemed as I was trying to you know one of the things that that's hard to do as a writer is you want to show the breadth of a character and Jack Ryan when I talked with Mark Graney about Jack Ryan Jr. he had it in his mind he's like here's the person he is here is you know he's he's you know he's, uh, Tom Clancy's version of Captain America right and when you're writing a character like that what you want to show is more than just their physical or martial prowess. You want to show the values that drive them and what makes them a good person, a person that you would want to be friends with or that you would want to be beyond just their ability to shoot a gun or punch somebody in the face. And so that's how that came about, and, and hopefully um, it accomplished what I was trying to do. Uh, absolutely. From my vantage point, I, I was – so pleased to see how that wove through that whole sequence wove through the book and and again you you nailed it when you said Jack Ryan Jr and Sr these are heroic figures and I dare say they're based on the real thing and you're one of those real guys yeah. who's done it and I know you know a lot of people who have so uh, it's called Target Acquired now that means you're writing two of these a year I'm right I'm writing one of the Tom Clancy books and one of my uh, Oh okay my, so two thrillers uh, okay yeah. <laughs> Yep, that's right. That's uh, right. I don't know if that's easier or harder than piloting an Apache helicopter because <laughs> I've written a little bit myself. It's challenging, but no, no I, seriously, it's 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 a great, great work. It's really fun and uh, very informative, and I think a lot of people will uh, get a real charge out of it. Thank you so much. It was really a pleasure meeting you, Don. Likewise, Jordan. Thank you so much. It was great talking with you. Don Bentley, author of the Matt Drake thriller series and Target Acquired, a Tom Clancy Jack Ryan Jr. novel with many more to come. Visit DonBentleyBooks.com. And thanks for visiting the podcast once again, particularly those of you who are regular subscribers. If you like what you hear, we'd appreciate a review anytime and share the podcast link with friends. We really appreciate that too. Until next time, Jordan Rich with you as always saying, be well so you can do good. Take care.